Hey everyone, today I want to take a deep dive into the idea of multiples. You know, what multiple should one pay for a business? What's a reasonable multiple? Here's an example of a multiple, etc. Uh, and I'm going to wrap this around a cautionary tale about a consulting client I had a conversation with just a couple of weeks ago and how they were kind of falling into a trap because they were focusing on the multiple. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Deal Making, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium sized businesses while controlling risk. So, if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So, be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. Are you thinking of growing your business or beginning a journey into entrepreneurship? Take a shortcut to success by buying an existing and profitable business the right way. Visit businessbuyeradvantage.com and learn more about my online training, group coaching, and consulting services designed to help you win. All right. So let me start off by telling you the story of the client that I had a meeting with a couple of weeks ago. So this is a gentleman who has been very successful in a, a working career, uh, has accumulated an investment portfolio in the stock market worth well over a million dollars. And they were looking at acquiring a small business. And, and the reason why these elements are important is because they were not going to go and get a business acquisition loan. What they were going to do was get a margin loan against their stock portfolio and use that money to buy a business. So they were leveraging their stock portfolio to buy a business, 100% finance, no money down, uh, because they had this other wealth that they had accumulated. And so people in this kind of position, whether they've got real estate they can leverage or they've sold a house and they've got cash in the bank, for example, uh, or like this individual who had the stock market portfolio, they actually fall into kind of a risky category of people. Why? because they don't have to go through the hoops to demonstrate the validity of their deal to a banker, right? And so, you know, if you have money, you can do with it as you wish, and it opens up a lot of doors for opportunities, obviously. But if you have to go and present your case to a lender and have the lender evaluate and analyze the deal, and you know, sort of tell you why they maybe they won't do a deal, for example. It can give an extra set of eyes, an extra layer of, of sort of diligence or common sense on the deal. So we didn't have that in this situation. What the buyer did do is book a call with me. So we looked at the deal and there were a few problems with the deal that, that we discussed, but everything kept circulating around the multiple of cash flow, the multiple of SDE. And the seller uh, had um, like an upgraded premium uh, account with uh, one of the online marketplaces where they could actually see uh, reported trade data. And so the seller was basically trying to make this argument, here's what my business is worth as a multiple of SDE because here are what other recent transactions have been. And so the, the buyer kept you know, asking me about multiple, multiple, multiple. They wanted to be able to get some kind of fuel for an argument or a discussion with the seller about what's a reasonable multiple. And it's not a pathway that I recommend anyone go down for negotiation. 
and 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 here's why is if you just start arguing about the methodology of evaluation um it can become confrontational right and buying or selling a business is a difficult endeavor and what i've always found works is when you approach it from a collaborative point of view and so what i want to highlight for you guys here today is just this concept of the multiples what is it that we are being told when we look at these multiples or these bits of data and so what I've done is I've gone into one of the private databases that I subscribe to um, and I've pulled out some data here and uh, being careful and respectful of the terms of service, I'm not gonna reveal the database. I am gonna tell you that uh, there's almost 400 records in this database for this particular category of small business. And so we're looking at a wide, uh, an industry with a lot of independent ownership um, and there's a lot of transactions that have made their way into this database. So it's it's a statistically significant sample size of, of small businesses. Now, just to, to preface the whole thing, um, I went into the business reference guide, which is put out um, by uh, Business Brokerage Press. And business reference guide is a, is a, a book that is basically categorized by industry where they have a lot of um, feedback and input from people within the industries or business brokers that have sold businesses in that industry. And they also have some other uh, deal database information that's in there that's kind of categorized by different class. And they have rules of thumb. And, and the whole purpose behind Business Reference Guide is not to be an authoritative, um, you know, sort of voice on this is what a business is worth. It's meant to be able to give someone a really quick look at an industry, understand what's important in that, in that industry, and get some, some broad rules of thumb that would let you quickly know if something kind of made sense or not, okay? So the reason I'm bringing up Business Reference Guide is because I looked up this industry that we're gonna look at today in the Business Reference Guide, and it told me that businesses with revenue under a million dollars in sales should typically be selling for about 2.11 times SDE. Okay, and that I wanna let you know that that's a critical thing here today for our examination. Because a lot of the time when people go out looking for data or information, et cetera, what they're presented with is an average of what these businesses sell for. And people, particularly novice people to the whole world of buying and selling businesses, I find, will often put way too much weighting on these multiples, right? So. From the private transaction database, I want to start off with uh, recent transactions. So I'm going to put this on the screen here. And for those of you that are listening, I'm going to read some of these bits of data. So these are um, all transactions from 2022. And in the leftmost column, you can see the sales. So we've got sales here. We have businesses as small as 275,000 in revenue and as large as almost 1.3 million in revenue. And we have SDEs ranging from a low of $38,000 up to, um, I think the highest one I see there is two hundred eleven or $228,000. And we can then see, you know, the price to SDE column, that is what they sold for as a factor or as a multiple of SDE. And so when I quickly scan down that column, I can see a low of 0.88 times SDE. So that's let a, a 
a business that sold for less than one times SDE. And then I can see a, you know, a whole bunch sort of in the high ones, lows, to, low twos. And then we see some exceptional ones. Like there's one that's 6.23 times SDE. That was a transaction in Florida. So here's a business that had eight, almost 800,000 in revenue. And if you're looking at the screen, I'm looking at the uh, fifth one down. So it's almost 800,000 in revenue with an SDE of 141,000. The asking price was $929,000, which is more than revenue, which is like exceptionally high asking price, but it sold for 879,000. So it actually sold for more than one times revenue. <clears throat> this is a brick and mortar service industry. Um, the, the price to SDE was 6.23 times, which is like, you know, a mid market multiple, uh, you know, for a manufacturing business or something like that. Right. So, so how did this transaction come to be? Why would somebody be willing to pay over six times SDE for this particular business? I have no idea. Like we can just guess we, we don't know but it falls into a couple of different categories. Um, number one, there could be some, you know, incredibly, uh, I don't know, lucrative strategic reason why an industry player might just have to have this one particular business. And so they're willing to pay a lot of money for it. Um, we could have had an ill-informed buyer who just had no idea how to value this business and happened to have a lot of money in the bank, just like, just like the buyer that I was talking about before. You know, someone who had the ability to do a deal, even if the deal didn't make sense. Um, thirdly, and this is the one that people often forget, <clears throat> the broker who entered this data may have made mistakes or not known what they were doing. Um, ever run into a business broker you didn't think was quite competent? Well, some of those people are putting data into these databases. So when I look at this, I realize, hey, um, just based on this recent data, we can't really tell what the going price is for this kind of business as a per, as a multiple of SDE. It, they're all over the place, right? So let me highlight sort of the strange or weird high multiple there, because I went and did a search for all kinds of high multiples. Now, <clears throat> you can see on the top line there, there is a business with $440,000 of revenue. The SDE was $2,000. So the owner in this business was working for free, right? And this business had an asking price of $187,000 and it sold for 139, uh, which is 69.5 times SDE. So, you know, why did that transaction happen? Well, I, I can give a bit of a better guess as to how we arrived at that price. Um, it's probably the value of the equipment and leasehold fit ups in that particular business. That is the reason why a buyer was willing to pay that amount of money. But because the SDE was so low, we end up with this absolutely crazy looking multiple of SDE, 69.5. Um, but this whole page is filled with these high multipliers, right? Um, 35 times, 18 times, 13 times, 10 times. Uh, and you get down there to the bottom and you have uh, 5.8 times, et cetera. So there's all kinds of really high multipliers in the database that may in fact be skewing the data. On the flip side, we can also look at the other end. So what I've done here now is I've gone to all the lowest multiples of SDE. And if you look at the 
leftmost column, the the revenue, um, we've got businesses as small as two hundred and five thousand in, or well, sorry, there's one there for one hundred and sixty thousand in revenue, and there's one as large as one and a half million in revenue that are amongst these super low multiples of SDE. So if we look at that third row, 1.48 million in revenue, SDE of 292,000, the asking price was 190 and it sold for 140. That's half a multiple of SDE. Again, why, why on earth would this transaction have happened? I don't know. Maybe the business only had eight months left in its lease. That like, there's there's any number of reasons we could dream up, but the point is we don't know. And from the limited amount of data we are being presented here, we can't really fathom a reasonable understanding of, of what is happening here. So remember how I told you business reference guide said that the average for this industry was 2.11? I thought to myself, you know, what how many of them sold for that average? Just how common is the average? So I looked it up in this entire database of almost 400 records, there's only three transactions that occurred at 2.11 times SDE. Um, and I, you can see them there in the middle. And I put the, the 2.09 and the 2.12 one in there just to bracket it, to show you where these land. So <clears throat> you can see that these businesses range in size. The SDEs uh, range from a low of 66 to a high of 293, but there's only three. And the whole point is just to say that when you're looking at averages of a, a big group of numbers, the average or even the median um, may not be an informative piece of data if you're going to base your whole transaction on it. So how do we use these bits of data? Well, when, when I go looking at businesses, I will look at these databases and I will try to find businesses that have similar revenue levels and look in the database to see if I can find similar types of transactions. So businesses that have a, approximately the same revenue, the same SDE, and I'll look for what other people paid for them. But this is not fully informing the decision about what you're going to pay for a business. It's just a guidepost. It just says, like, here's what other people have paid. It's an indicator of what the risks are that they saw. You then have to actually go through the exercise of figuring out, and, and sometimes you make an offer based on these multiples, but before you actually finish due diligence, you have to build a full cash flow forecast and you have to figure out all the things that are gonna come out of that SDE number. So what do we have to pay out of SDE? Well, if you saw my video that was released a couple of years ago, why SDE is not cash flow, we'll put a link to it here somewhere, um, if you check out that video, what you'll realize is that SDE is not money in your pocket. SDE stands for seller's discretionary earnings. Out of that money, think of it like a budget. Out of that budget, we have to do several things. Number one, we have to do our debt service, right? We have to, which is interest and principal, only the interest is an expense for tax purposes. We have to take home pay for ourselves because the definition of SDE is the amount of money available to an owner operator that works full-time in the business. So we have to take a paycheck out of that for ourselves too, if you're going to buy the business and be the operator. Um, income taxes have to be paid out of that SDE number, right? And then because we add back depreciation and amortization, 
um, you got to be able to take care of any capex. So if the business is going to require new equipment or machinery um, that would normally be recognized by an accountant through depreciation uh, on the on the income statement, that's got to come out of SDE as well. So my my buyer that I met with, um, you know, he was in California. He was looking at this SDE number and he was figuring that he could apply half of that to debt service. Debt service coverage ratios should really be looked at with respect to EBITDA, not SDE. Why? Well, because you need to pay yourself. You're not going to contribute 50% of your labor to servicing the debt, right? So the very first thing you have to do is you have to take out that labor component for the fair market wage of a manager in that industry. That leaves you with EBITDA. You know, I think that you should only commit 50% of that EBITDA to debt service, which would be a two times DSCR, right? Some lenders will let you go as low as 1.25, which I think is dangerous because what are the other things that have to come out of there? You got to also cover your capex and taxes. So in my conversation again with this fellow and I and I mentioned he's in California because this is important. The seller showed him recent comparables of other businesses in his industry that had recently sold for multiples some of them as high as 3 times SDE. But many of those transactions were in places like Texas and Florida. Why is that important? Well, Texas and Florida do not have state income tax. California has got tax rates that rival my own Canadian tax rates, right? And so if you, if you paid a Texas or Florida multiple in a place like California, and then you had the, the, you know, the burden of the California income taxes, that's going to eat a much larger chunk of that SDE than what would happen in Texas, for example. And so this is why you actually have to do a cash flow analysis, a cash flow forecast. You have to say, if I buy this business, what are these different things that, I'm, that are going to come out of it? And is there enough money left over to, to make me feel comfortable about any kinds of ebbs and flows that might happen in this business? Sale decrease, uh, you know, revenue decreases that might cause profitability decreases, et cetera. Does it make sense for me to do this deal? And this is why. You know, we talk about multiples all the time because it's easy. We talk about multiples all the time because it's a quick path to kind of figure out what might work. And you should be informed about multiples that are being paid in your industry. But don't let other people's deals cloud your judgment here, right? As, as we looked at in these examples, there can be people that for whatever reason pay crazy prices for business. You don't need to do that. You need to make an offer that works for you. You, when you want to buy a business, you figure out, you know, what I think it's worth, what is going to make sense for me, what risk level I'm comfortable with, what kind of extra cash I want left over after I've covered all these things. And once you figure that out, you make an offer based on that. Don't get into an argument about what multiple is fair. You just say to a seller, I've worked out what works for me. This is my offer. And if they don't want to sell it to you for that amount of money, that's their choice. All we're doing when, we, when we're trying to buy a business is we are engaging in a sales effort. We are presenting an opportunity to exit. 
And in any sales effort, all you can do is present opportunities for people to choose to participate in. That's all a salesperson can do. And so you present your opportunity. If they think they can get more from someone else, if they think they can find someone who's willing to pay more, who doesn't know any better or has other resources, then they might do that. It doesn't mean that you should stretch yourself to try to compete for that deal. It doesn't make sense. You have to make deals that make sense for you. You have to make offers that make sense for you. And from experience here, working with hundreds of people that have bought businesses, oftentimes if you're willing to retreat, you may still get an opportunity to have that conversation in a few months time. So I wanted to give you an insight into some of the data that's available. I wanted to give you an insight into how that data can sometimes end up in articles, on websites, et cetera, and why you should take a lot of that stuff with a little grain of salt. And, and if you are serious about going down this path and buying a business, I would highly recommend that uh, you head over and go to businessbuyeradvantage.com where you can learn more about my program. Uh, there's a great uh, tool within that program that helps you analyze a business quickly. Uh, based on its cash flow, you know, and what would make sense for you, and incorporating all of the aspects of the of the investment. I mean, uh, the type of business that I was discussing with that fellow a few weeks ago uh, didn't really have a, a large operating capital component or anything like that. But this is another place where people mess up: is they will look at an asset sale, they'll look at multiples in an in industry, but then certain components that are required to make it operate won't be included, like certain operating capital components. And so you need to incorporate those in your analysis too, because the total investment you make may not be what you give to the seller. It may be what you give to the seller, plus other resources you have to then input into your own new entity. Anyway, head to businessbuyeradvantage.com, learn more about that. And uh, cash flow forecasts, if you need help with this, bizplanschool.com is where you can find my complete cash flow forecasting and business plan writing program where uh, I will teach you from a blank sheet how to build and model any business out there with five different example companies that we work through over the course of the program. Um, some of them are acquisitions, some of them are startups, just so that you can learn how to do this on your own and build yourself uh, our truly functional model in Excel on what the business is going to be doing, what the performance is going to be with your scenario, with your figures and your debt service, et cetera. And with rising interest rates, it's more important than ever to be able to build a model that you can then play with and say, you know, what if rates do this or rates do that, et cetera. Anyway, thank you very much. Hope you're enjoying it. Please hit the like, uh, thumbs up. Um, and uh, if you've enjoyed this, share it on other platforms. It's a really big indicator to the YouTube algorithm that you've enjoyed the content. And um, yeah, hope you're having a great day. Thank you so much. And with that, I'll say, see you later. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy, go over to my blog site, davidcbarnett.com, where you can learn more about me and how I work with my clients. You can learn more about my books and courses that I've prepared for you. You can find out how to subscribe to my email list, the YouTube playlists, and more. There's literally hundreds of hours of content there, all for free, and I'd love for you to be my guest. Special thanks go to Mark Willis at Lake Growth Financial, today's video sponsor. 
Mark helps people better manage their personal and business finances through the bank on yourself insurance strategy. This is something I've done personally and I've seen others use it successfully for years. Go to newbankingsolution.com to find all the interviews I've done with Mark and learn more about the advantages of these programs. While there, sign up for a free consultation to learn what this solution might look like for you.